Mutasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambutasa Namutasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambutasa Namutasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambutasa Udang Damang Sangang Masami So this is the um, last night of the this year, 2007, and 2008 begins tomorrow. And uh, so this is pretty much standard in human experience. We celebrate this, or we acknowledge this movements of time. And we get the sense of the old and the new, and uh, these mean things to us: the possibility of change, possibility of change for the better, internally, externally, around us, you know, and perhaps the past, something we might have learnt. So it's not just a haphazard thing; but something we might have learnt about events in ourselves and others and the world around us. You know, it's a possibility that we you know, can scoop up patterns out of behavior, experience that say, ah, there's particular causes and conditions that are causing happiness or suffering in my life. And this is it's because of this, 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 this. You know. You kind of pick it up, the sense of extending one's attention beyond the immediate manifestations of sight, sound, touch, thought, and extending a perception. So, you know, we kind of review. And, of course, in a way, this is always held under the lens of the present, present moment, present awareness. So we're not trying to, you know, go mulling it out or planning anything trying to make it into anything but just holding it carefully letting one's awareness extend over what what remains for us you know in this last year say you know it could have just be the last day you know or the last hour and so we're trying to actually acknowledge that there there are patterns you know, such as aversion or fear, mistrust, that we can acknowledge. And that as we've witnessed those, they reckon, we can recognize how they've brought us into suffering or sorrow, caused problems. You know, maybe we can kind of, how can one come out of that? We might have noticed things such as uh, in ourselves or in others of goodwill, of calm, of patience that have uh, been conducive, and, you know, in ourselves or in others. Sometimes we get that witnessing how other people's actions affect us. You know, oh, this is this is the beautiful, and uh, this is what we want to make more. One wants to make more of. So. Just in this sense of kind of applying 
to things that really, you know, we can detect, manifest, acknowledge, you know, esoteric, but very much woven into our experience. What's the meaning of this? So certainly, for a start, just to do that one has to kind of come out of reactions and fluster and activity and even ideas of what we think we are because of course we can get pretty much encased in uh, doubt about ourselves or guilt or feeling a bit disappointed or on the other hand defending justifying ourselves or do all kinds of things you know to, to what manifests to try to somehow chuck it off or place it or blame it, you know. But this is the whole why the sense of self-view messes everything up because it means we don't we can't just acknowledge causes and patterns that are not just mine but everybody's common problems or common common goodnesses. And you know, so, so the sense of self always, you know, makes it more complex, makes it more difficult. We're defending something, or justifying something, or you know, hanging on with a sense of something wrong with me, you know, guilt or shame or things of this nature. And seeing there definitely, this is not self doesn't create these. There's definitely there are causative forces that we all experience. It's through not not handling these or acknowledging these that we get into reactions and reflexes. And we will always continue to do so. Even when we're being good, those reflexes can suddenly crackle and you find yourself feeling hurt or blamed and then reacting. You know, feeling flustered, panicking, anxious. So even good people come into a lot of stress because of this. So sometimes it's very helpful, you know, just to work on that sense of self. That um, it's the idea of it. One of the simple ways we we cultivate that is just to consider you know it's not to others as to myself I might say the golden rule of uh, not just a Buddhist thing but basic golden rule principle to others as to myself and as in myself, so there is in others. It's nothing really unique. Different mixtures of the same fundamental things is fear, joy, love, aversion, wanting, uncertainty, you know, nobility, all kinds of things. So in myself as in others, in others as in myself, and to others as to myself. So we get the sense something that's both moral and also empathic, yeah, and also very profound, really. Because if we begin to, to just follow through what this particular 
quality of reflection brings around makes us very open and very honest and also very uh, wise and very loving because then it isn't really anything in others that you can really separate and say not not me so the violence we can see around us the greed the deceitfulness somehow this is all things that also can be present in ourselves we may not act upon them they might be in subdued ways but all these qualities are basic human qualities you know it's been going on (laughs) it's no surprise is it it's been going on across cultures, countries, you know, things like that. So, so then also, one would say, I am not separate from this. I'm not separate from being, having this same kind of, you know, nervous system, same kind of patterning. So, in a way, when we acknowledge this, we can recognize that just the day when we have actually avoided, not avoiding acting on those things, is a day to feel a little bit pleased by, maybe. (laughs) And also we begin to recognize that, uh, you know, why, why why do I feel those energies stirring, you know? What happens? What what is it that causes those energies to stir? Feeling a bit, you know, frightened, um, insecure. These kinds of, you know, things that make us want to grab hold of something, fill up with something, or a lot of lot of uh, violence because comes from fear. Some place. Mm-hmm. Reactions, hatred, and fear. Really feeling that the other, the other person, yeah, is uh, taking something away from us, depriving us of something, or will do in the future if we don't do something about it. So sometimes reviewing the self is very much the same as reviewing the time. And they're both, both of these are levels of our consciousness which are always stressful. You might think of time, you know, when you think of time, really, the movement of time. Where are we going? Old age, sickness, death. Separation. You know, I think the time time bound plane is miserable really. <laughs> yeah, you know, we so kind of believe in it and try to make, really make it work, plan and organise and arrange and things like that and time. 
It's actually very unsatisfactory, fragile, things always breaking up, changing, unpredictable, plans always going wrong. You make another one. Yeah. It's somehow that that's the that's the that's the plane, that's the reality. We have a function through that. It's a kind of language experience, a way experience manifests in time, a certain level of consciousness. And we also experience a sense of separate selves, identities, that which we join with, enjoy, appreciate, warmed by, that which we care for, that which we feel uncertain about, that which we feel fear, dread, so forth, all this stuff. So this is also a plane, if you don't kind of handle it, it can be a lot of um, stress, trying to protect, trying to keep going. The good and ward off the unpleasant This is very much the same level of consciousness, same way in which our minds work. You see, whenever we really, human beings really find ways to to reach past that level, then their actions can be very blessed. Something more timeless and selfless arises that that we can intimately experience and others can appreciate. You know, you think of um, saintly beings who just dedicate their lives to to looking after whoever. You know, so they give the Mother Teresa, for example, in that orphanage looking after, well, orphanage but refuge looking after the hopeless, the unsavable. Mm. whatever reason you know but just the action of that you know because these people aren't going anywhere they're not going to get any better um, and they're not necessarily nice people you know being sick and maimed doesn't make you necessarily more balanced pleasant personality <laughs> or grateful you know so anybody who's been in any of those kind of caring professions, you, rec- you know, it's all very nice to think of as an idea of looking after the mentally disabled or the afflicted, or the, but it's it's a huge effort, you know, and uh, so, so you know, but you can kind of sense what that. Feel that just the effort to to move. The only way you can really do it is to keep coming not into I'm looking after you, therefore you should do this or be that or recover or be better. But I'm just dwelling in this place of loving kindness. You know, just going to see what happens from there, really. So the way that there's a unity, the mind operates from a particular place of unity. Blessedness, you might say, kindness, benevolence, charity, compassion. These are things that then, you know, you you do what you can from there. 
and uh, the pure, the more fully one's able to dwell in that, then actually the efforts that are made become clearer and less faltering. Because whether, you know, whatever the results on one level, people getting better, happier, and so forth, you've actually just sustained a particular quality of mind, quality of heart that is trustworthy and you know it, you feel it. And it, it moves past the time and it moves past self. It's one of those bound, called boundless quality, measureless. Yeah. Yeah. And how this is a resource that everyone has. We can, it's a notch up, you might say. There's a level at which, yeah, we, we function as me, my little passport, and I'm going here tomorrow, my little picture. And I do this and do that. That's true on one level, but it's not a particularly satisfying place. We move it, but then there it is. And somehow you can come into something that's vaster and wider and more blessed. And um, that can perhaps be made manifest through the time plane or through the self plane because to manifest it, you know, so it actually can be affected. It's to manifest in the world of time, people, physicality, so forth. And that's always that sort of blending of the time with time bound with the timeless is the occupation of the saint. And you, you know, we can do this. Often we only do it when we're at, when it's extreme, when there's pressure on, when you really have to, because nothing else is going to work. So we can look at this coming from South Africa, a day or two ago, and reviewing some of the history of the apartheid era. And now eventually the only resolutions could come around about people who were related to acts of violence, atrocity, mistrust over generations really from both sides could just kind of get together and just, you know, it doesn't matter, you know. Even though your people killed my people, your people did this, that and the other. You know, we've just we just can't keep doing this. Just can't keep doing it. Doesn't. So you've got to actually start to accept the violent, the mistrustful in others, and the hurt, and all that, and say, well, yeah, but we've got to. We can't keep staying there. You know, you've got to move on, reach on, move on past that. And some of these you know, people are not, wouldn't say particularly spiritual, and yet getting it's a practical thing. You know, you wait till everybody is all kind of nice and sweet, isn't going to happen because people are not nice and sweet. There is that in them, but there's a lot of other things. You've got to actually 
start by acknowledging the good somewhere, you know, something you can reach, something you can, even if, the, if or acknowledging that which you can feel um, kindness, compassion, or appreciation towards. And so you, something you can actually tune into. And there's many, many things that people do. I was considering how one of those seminal moments in the Northern Ireland conflicts is when the people who've had their sons, daughters, generally their sons, shot down. You know, actually, you know, there's particularly one time when this man who just, his, I think his son or both of them maybe, has been shot down, went on television and publicly forgave the people who'd killed his son. So, you know, because he just he can't go on like this. You have to forgive them because otherwise, it's just otherwise you're just in the same repetitive pattern of vengeance and bitterness. And you just don't want to be there anymore for your own welfare, for anybody else's welfare. You know, and things like that, you pick up the, you pick up a sign, thinking, well, that's, that's amazing. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's moving outside the pattern, isn't it? That's changing it around. And it's not easy. And there was a big cost. And yet, how else can it be? Unless we prepare to make those kinds of payments. Hmm. when you kind of contemplate, consider actually what, what it, you know, on one level what it takes, you look at this in a very more refined way, and perhaps most of us not dealing with that level of conflict or dissension or hurt at that that voltage, that potency, so perhaps we don't really notice it, we're able to just... Uh, Shrug off. He's a bit silent. He's she's a bit like that. He's like that. You know, don't have to be with him. He's just grumpy old so and so. Put up with it, kind of thing. <laughs> One of those. And yet, you know, so we can kind of wriggle around and just push it away. You know? But when you kind of really consider it's, it's just that that particular action just actually is the beginning it's the, it's the little beginning it's the butterfly's wings that set the hurricane going just that little bit you know, that we so often do where a negative impression is allowed to seed itself sooner or later Sooner or later, one will, one will act upon that. Sooner or later, one will think that. One will actually hold on to that thought. Sooner or later, one will actually say something based upon that impression. And that's how it begins.
Mm. And then it becomes, once it gets said and acted upon, then this is where the whole chain reaction starts, isn't it? So as meditators, one of the things we're encouraged to do, and it's like, find myself doing, which is to keep, keep overhauling what are called perceptions, impressions, impressions I have of others, the impressions I have of, of myself, impressions I have of others in relationship to myself. That is, you know, he doesn't like me, she wants a lot, you know, he never bothers, they don't, I, you know, I should, all those kinds of things that keep happening. You know, I, I should be like this, he should be like that, they're like this, she's always that, you know. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, what's, what's happening? <laughs> Why is that? Because I actually know, have perceptions of huge numbers of people. And in this particular life, they're they're very, I'm always, you know, actually kind of an extended family of thousands of people. And um, so the sense of you don't really want to have anything that's grating or negative when there's that amount of it there's that amount of people content in your life and particularly when the movement of the mind is towards sharing helping encouraging you know you just don't want to have this stuff getting in the way, causing doubt, fear, mistrust, uncertainty, biases, hanging on, rejecting. Even you don't want just don't want, it just messes up the system. So there's always that sense of really reviewing what I call perceptions, impressions. Just take a little time, you know. Just take some time and consider that when you think of a person, what arises in your mind. And you bear it in mind, it probably changes. You already get an impression of something rather pleasant, and there may be a little bit of uncertainty, and perhaps a happy thought, and there may be a painful memory, or it's a flickering thing, isn't it? And then notice how dependent perhaps on the mood that you're in, particular impressions will come to mind. Feeling a bit fed up, perhaps the impressions that come to mind are the more uninspiring impressions. And they come along with kind of emotional qualities, And they often come along with particular uh, patterns that say this is real or it's always like this or they never like this. It's kind of ingrained quality perceptions. 
And um, you know, in Sangha life is really rife with all this because they're only so we don't we don't really have a lot going apart from this stuff. I mean, you know, the main our main uh, um, things that mostly kind of contact us is other people. You know, we haven't got particular big work projects that we're into. We don't, we don't have particular things of this nature. But what the fundamental quality of Sangha is made up of a whole load of people. And so you're always kind of getting stories about this person and that person, and, and they're always wrong. They may only be a little bit wrong, but they're always wrong. You know, or they don't fit. And they're, they're swapped around. And the more they're swapped, the bigger the distortions occur. So you get kind of some enormous um, misperceptions. Somebody, one of the monks sent me a, something the other day, actually. So I got back and I opened up and said it was kind of really, you know, violent attack on him, verbal attack on him. And... Uh, he sent it, so I was looking at this, you know. And then this person that, who wrote this violent attack probably felt he was right. <laughs> Certainly felt he was right. You know, and he's really going to tell this guy, put this guy straight, or something. And everybody speaks the truth, don't they? But it's their truth, it's their perception, their impression. And uh, you know, so you, you kind of consider the impressions you have of others. You really want to look into, okay, that's the image. It's what's actually happening. You hold that perception in mind, and you start to see what the moving qualities of of one's emotional or volitional energies rippling underneath that. You want to be, you know, apprehensive or happy or cheerful or and it uncertain or concerned or sad or you know well who is that you know and then you bring it towards yourself who do you think this is who does it seem to be so we've really actually got to you know acknowledge that but to to be able to move past that without, and so we can reach something that's actually more stable and blessed and less clogged up. And the, the bit that uh, often needs to be emphasized is you, you can't, I don't, think, I don't, myself, I don't sense being able to move through that, past it by skipping over it, by saying, even though I know you're a nasty piece of work, I'm going to love you anyway. <laughs> you know, even though you do all these terrible things to me, I'm going to forgive you. Because you, know. you still got that impression of, well, really, he's a nasty bit of work, you know. Well, oh, be nice, you know. But still, that thing is still there. You know. Often this is kind of what 
people do it because they just don't want to live with the actual uh, the, the, the feeling so we try and just replace it or step past it shrug it off but maybe yeah perhaps that's reasonable gesture but you know, eventually this stuff still remains in the storehouse and sooner or later it's very likely to flare up again isn't it when the chips are down you know, suddenly the lines get drawn and you get kind of racial prejudice or you know, various nationalism or gender prejudices or in-group, out-group things you know, suddenly when it, it's kind of the pressure gets on and people get squeezed and then we we jump back we lose some of the grandeur because it's actually just been contrived you know the perceptions still remain and we've just kind of stepped over it and actually dissolved it seen it for what it is and that I think is um, much more profound much more difficult but something to continually cultivate how do these things get dissolved how do we see past them without brushing them away Mm. this is one way in which we use meditation Mm. so as I say you bear something in mind bear someone in mind and you feel what happens in your own consciousness just as you you sustain awareness of that the flickering and then through all of that just that sense of you you might say kindness or compassion appreciation just a steady sense of non-contracting non-aversion non to oneself or to others to the other person it's not feeling less than or better than or guilty about or stabbing or you know or flustering just just so you can feel those energies come up sometimes when you you run these somewhere in your mind particularly people who really push your buttons you know you can see all this various kind of energies start happening and then how to just hold those energies with a mind of of spaciousness, compassion, and generous, generosity of heart. So it's almost we're transmuting through that. The very energies that that tend to lock our impressions of people into mistrust or need or fear or defense, grief and so forth. And it's uh, to me this is quite a process. I mean, even think of my own parents. And so my parents have passed away. Well, you know, father's about thirty years. Mother, you know, about. 18, 18, 16 years ago, 
And still, you know, it's a gesture you can kind of revisit them. And along that comes you know, some sense of bereavement, some sense of concern, some, you know, all these things that I should have done or said, I wish I would have done, I wish I would have said, or mostly that feeling on my own bit part. I don't really have any ill will, although certainly I do get this sense I wish it could have been better. I wish it could have been richer. I wish we could have understood each other. I wish we could have supported each other more fully. Although, my, you know, we didn't really have anything you called major difficulties compared with what a lot of people have. But still that sense of, of regret, you know. And which comes, but then it's allowing those forms to arise, the memories of them. <coughs> The, the pleasant times and the unpleasant times and the lot just the just the misunderstanding, miss just not meeting. You know, people twenty, thirty years older, you know, just not able to meet. And uh, you know, some of what that feels like. But there it is, that's the human thing. That's the egoic consciousness. That's time. And to, you know, one doesn't try to just jump past it, but actually just hold it. And uh, let go of the, or allow the moods to change and shift to dissolve. What they dissolve into by itself becomes, I don't know if you ever follow this or practice this yourself what things dissolve into is a quality of of peacefulness but also a quality of 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 love because that's what it comes down to in the end the kind of basic thing that relationship is about often terribly frustrated often terribly mixed up often terribly (laughs) but that that is the thing isn't it that you know what what it means like to it to be touched or moved or impressed by another person, you know, is some kind of form of what we might say in its fullest potential, is the the love potential, the goodwill potential. And so much of our lives are really, you know, trying to find that in some way. We feel happy with others, we're able to express our concern for others, we're able to be enriched by that. And on the kind of egoic, separative level, it's always like trying to play in a piano with boxing gloves on. You know, it's just clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> Don't quite get the tune. <laughs> the way it seems to me. Because <laughs> even when you talk like that, the, the words go funny, you know. The words get clumsy and rubbery. Depends what you mean, you know, by <laughs> something like love, much confused word. But you know, what is it that in us that feels some sense of wanting other people not to suffer, wanting other people to be well, being cheered and encouraged by the goodness in others? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Where, in fact, you know, other other people 
can be tremendously enriching for us because they they help us to realize this potential. And the snag of actually trying to, you know, when it just gets stuck on an egoic me-you level, um, because it, that's where it, it always it's so difficult to to get it going. So we actually just embrace it at that level with all the flaws and the uncertainties, because it's also something in which you can see as changing and shifting all the time. Self impressions shifting all the time because of this actually if you sustain your awareness of them they don't they don't have to be obstacles because one sees them as the the kind of mirage like nature that they are sometimes people kind of say well how can you how can you practice loving kindness and and not self at the same time i think how can you practice it without it? You know, because if you <laughs> if you really consider one's impressions of people to be what they are, how long is that going to be a source of, you know, something that triggers off tremendous warmth? But when you consider, you know, you start to recognise others like me, just like me. You hold your, you meditate, you hold your awareness over what you call me. You can see it's just a continual kind of chameleon, changing forms and shapes with certain core patterns of pleasure, pain, resistance, agitation, uncertainties and so forth. That's probably what's that's out there too. <laughs> so instead of being some kind of fixed entity, you realize these energies what we have to hold. When I say hold, I mean just be conscious of, acknowledge as they're happening. Uh, and feel the benefit of it. Because mm. that's, to me, that's actually, that's real. It really connects at that place. You can feel the sense of empathy at that place. Suddenly, what people do and say isn't—that isn't it. It's it's what's behind that. And the quality of. Goodwill, benevolence, empathy is something that naturally, you know, we understand boundaries. You can sense what else can we see but separate forms? What else can we address but separate beings? What else manifests but this experience of separation and difference? Obviously, others are not like me. Nobody looks like me. Nobody talks like me. Nobody, absolutely nobody. You know, so that's true. But just like me, there's nobody like you. That's what we have in common: the sense of uniqueness and separateness, and how how dreadful that can feel. Yeah. So we have both that separateness that we have to 
you can't really you don't want to make a big thing out of it either for good or for bad it's just like this and then there's something more unitive that uh, where we, we, we are able to acknowledge these energies in ourselves and in others as being of the same fundamental humanity and the wonder when you really get moved by people who are actually making those efforts you know to just move out of the past the war zones past the mistrust zones past the histories in all particularly when you see it in kind of political world these areas like the Middle East Northern Ireland deep conflict apartheid and moving past those because we have to South Africa is particularly interesting I went to a apartheid museum where they were when you get to the door they give you a little ticket which says you're either black or white so depending on what you've been labelled as you go down different corridors and that's kind of weird you know you're going as a group and you're suddenly separated you know four of us went in and we're kind of separated into different camps and you've got to walk down these strange corridors feeling very much you've been labelled as one of those you know, that's what it feels like. <laughs> you get it? You know, already before anything's happened, you've already been <coughs> labelled as a something. And that la- label is going to determine every act, every gesture that's made towards you for the rest of your life. And also it can change. They can suddenly decide you're only coloured. There was some time when, when they'd actually, one year, they'd, they'd redefine people. So a whole load of Malays got redefined as Indians, um, a whole load of colours became black some colours became white you know, so people suddenly found that they, they actually changed their little ticket without doing anything you know, so <laughs> and that then means that you're looked at and regarded in a different way extraordinary and um, as we walked on it came to the place where this, there was a video of the, one of the early leaders kind of justifying this and saying how it was all for people's welfare and um, you know to understand people had differences and this is just about being good neighbours being good neighbours you know, give them see, you give you a piece of land it happens to be a rubbishy old desert and all you've been uprooted to go there but you should be grateful <laughs> and actually you can see that somewhere along the line People believe somebody believed it. Yeah. There was a little photo film where they were showing how slaves enjoyed being slaves. Actually, it was a you know, they, they liked they were happy singing their slave songs and had a really nice time being slaves and it got them really well. And then we ruined it by by banning slavery. You know, people got upset and confused, didn't know where they were. Naturally, they got all violent. You know? And, you know, the absolute way in which those perceptions just are held. And then, you know, behind that, that sense of 
This is a different category of being. And when that's held, you know, you can start to make sounds, sounds of goodwill. <laughs> make sounds of goodwill. Like this is for their welfare, those stupid, ignorant blacks, you know. <laughs> this is for their welfare. You know, because the perception, this perception has been challenged of just like me, you know, just like me, like to be, you know, free, peaceful, able to move around, you know. So when you sort of see something as stark as that, you see this comes out of not particular individual, but out of human beings. Do I do that? When do I do that? That's what I want to know. Rather than, oh, look at those guys, you know, bad guys. He's a human being, he's just like me. When do I do that? Why do I do that? Fear. Fear of loss, wanting to hold on to my own uncertainty. When do I, how do I stop doing that? Just that sense of, you know, no matter what it costs, it can't go on like this. Don't want to go on like this. And there's a way to not go, not to continue with that. And it's this uh, unraveling perceptions, acknowledging that through that, through seeing that, and the process of doing that, one can experience a something that you're not going to lose, that's going to be for one's welfare, through the times of change, through the disappearances and the disappointments of misunderstanding, something will be there. And it won't cause us to lose faith in ourselves, or in others, or in being human. Anyone? Anyway.